This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to cutting through all the confusing marketing BS so you can actually understand how to take action and change your business today. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how to write a brief that actually serves the teams working on the project as a meaningful foundation and continued point of reference, and that also leads to results at the end of the process. If you sense a little bit of sarcasm in my tone, it's because it's there. And Ann and I have both been on the receiving end of some pretty bad briefs in our time. So we thought, all right, we're going to take a moment to process our experiences and PTSD, if we're being honest, and channel those memories into a meaningful episode that could answer the four components of a results-driven brief. And before we jump into it, let's make sure we're all on the same page with regards to the definition of a brief. And the brief is actually a single document that aligns all teams to the main objective and goals for a given project or plan and the anticipated outcomes. Yes, exactly. So with that definition in mind, and without further ado, we'll get into the four components of a results-driven brief. So point number one, define the one thing. And I will go ahead and take this one. So let me just point out that outside of the world of branding and, and working with your clients and all that sort of thing, the word brief is actually a concise statement or summary by definition. And the reason I point that out is because too often we see teams just make the mistake of putting everything but the kitchen sink in the brief. And this is just completely non-helpful. I mean, if you're going to do that, you may as well not even develop a brief. So at the last agency I worked at, we made a lot of rules and parameters for brief writing and actually ran an education for the staff on this because we felt like it was so foundationally important. And one of the rules was it could only be one page. But more importantly than that, it was about starting with the one thing you want to accomplish. If you could only accomplish and achieve one thing through the project you're writing the brief for, what would it be? And then you can only add information as it pertains to the one thing for the duration of the brief. And cheers, Reed, if you're listening to this, I know you and I were the road warriors on this, (laughs) getting people to really buy in and also focus on that one thing. But I always have him in my head when I'm talking about this. So by the one thing, we mean what's the single thing that would bring forth the biggest gain for the brand and business? Like I said, if we only achieve one thing that equals success, what is it? And then make sure that all parties and stakeholders involved are aligned on the single thing and then write the brief against it. You'll save yourself a lot of time if you do it this way. And I think it's really important that that one thing be tangible and measurable. It has to be something that's objective that everybody can align to and there's no room for interpretation because that's when briefs break down because people have different interpretations of what success looks like. For example, um, and I've talked about this one before, but I'll just use a, a Super Bowl um, example. When we were doing the brief for, for that, we said that we wanted to be the most talked about brand in the Super Bowl, Okay, tangible and measurable. We could have said it a different way, which we have, uh, we have seen other clients do, which is we want to be popular and talked about. That's not measurable. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not clear and tangible either. That could be open for interpretation. That's where you can get yourself in trouble. Another good one um, is we want to increase followers by two times or two X or double our, our followers. A bad one. We want more followers. <laughs> well, what's more? Like how much is more? Because my definition of more and April's definition of more would be very different if I was sitting on the corporate side and April was sitting on the uh, the agency side, right? So this is where a lot, some of that conflict comes into mm-hmm. play when, you know, we, you've heard me and April talk about that, that some of that divisiveness that can come from a corporate agency relationship. It's in misinterpretation of the actual goal. So make sure that you are very specific, very tangible and very measurable on that one thing. Yeah, and I think you you heard Anne say it, but I think it's really about doing everything you can to make a brief objective when it comes to those results. Because when you leave room for interpretation in any portion of the brief, you're setting the team and the project up for potential failure because there is a lack of clarity. And so that's what we'll be talking about as you know the theme in total today, but just really important to point that out here. All right, so number two here. 
only include items that support that one thing. And I mentioned that a little bit in the previous point, but I think it's really important to hit home here that people do get nervous, even though people have aligned to the one thing when the brief writing actually happens about discluding information. And so the filter becomes the single thing. So like Anne said, you make sure that you have results against that one thing. You make sure that that KPI or those KPIs are really, really clear. But unfortunately, I think what happens is that people feel like it's too concise almost and they get worried. And so then that's where things start to creep in that shouldn't be there. And the more information, like we just said, that you put in there, the more open it is to that interpretation. So that streamlining, that filter of the one thing ensures that after that one thing is approved, you can keep going back to it and keep pointing to it as you build things into the brief and it becomes your selection criteria for what belongs and what doesn't. And as long as you hold to that as sort of your guidelines or your guardrails in the situation, then you can really ensure that you have a clear brief. Otherwise, it just gets muddy even if you've defined that one thing clearly. If everything else that comes after it doesn't align to it, then you're running into the same issue. Yeah, and and we've seen both sides of the spectrum here. So on one side is being concise, but still being ambiguous. Yes. And intentionally being ambiguous because either the thought process is, well, I don't want to like, you know, stymie their creativity. Or limit. Or limit them. But also, I want to leave myself open. So if I don't like what they come back with, I could still slide (laughs) it in the brief, right? And without it being a change of brief, which usually comes with more time and more money, right? So don't fall into that trap because you're, like April said, you're setting yourself up for failure. The other side of it is like, I'm going to be so overly prescriptive that I'm leaving no room for any kind of creativity. And I really want them to just to deliver exactly what I'm saying. It's another point of limitation where it's like, what's the point then? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you really asking your agency or your freelancer or your partner to do if you're overly constraining them so much that they can't put their own talent into what they are doing. So the objective here is like to be clear on the what, like what you like want them to do or what you want to accomplish, but be flexible on the how so that you can allow for that that talent to actually create behind your brief. Yeah, and I think Anne brings up a really good point. I think when you try to define this one thing, people automatically get this, you're limiting me mentality. And that's actually not the case. The most well-written briefs I've ever seen allow for so much creativity that what comes back, you're just amazed by. But it still aligns to the brief. So by making these definitions, and you know, I've had this argument time and time again, even with my own teams, with the creatives and the writers and everything, where it's like, well, you are limiting my creativity by putting this in the brief and saying it can only be this. And I'm like, no, 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 you shouldn't be thinking that it only can be this. It should be, it can be everything included in this. And I think that that gets to be a mm-hmm. common misconception where it's like, you know, whether you're writing the brief or you're receiving the brief or you're a part of the team doing the work, the brief isn't meant to be the enemy. The brief is meant to be something that's actually freeing because it gives you guardrails so you don't feel like you have to explore everything under the sun, but there's still plenty of room to be creative in the brief. It also creates discipline, right? Absolutely. And I will say from um, the corporate standpoint, (laughs) When we would tend to write ambiguous briefs, it would be, um, okay, go, like, find me a rock. <laughs> and then they bring back a rock. No, 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 that, not that rock, a different rock. Well, that's a different brief. No, it's not. Those different rocks are still all part of the same reason. It's still a rock. You know, so it, it, it does also put a level of discipline in so that the work you're doing is not for naught, right? So it's, it drives more efficiency in the process. It, it drives more uh, responsibility to an, an intent into the work. So it is a help. Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, this third point here is defining what the additional supporting items are for the brief. So what very technically belongs in there and limiting to that. And I think the points we just made around, you know, the single thing and then using that as the filter, then you have these pieces, which are kind of those underlying things, the tenets of a brief that should always be there. But think about them in terms of what we just talked about. 
right? So those things that should be included in your brief obviously are the objective, like we just talked about, or the one thing. Supporting background or information about the objective. So this is any context that really helps the person understand why you're doing this? What's the purpose of of you doing this? Um, is there any like relevant background about the brand or the situation or the program that's key? So provide a little bit of context and a couple of points. This isn't pages and pages. It's a couple points. Because also, as a, a, a quick aside, your brief is meant to be discussed. So mm-hmm. it's, it is on a piece of paper. It's documentation. But it's meant to be discussed in a actual meeting where you talk to the person and you walk them through the brief. Okay. The next thing is details about the customer or consumer you're trying to attract. Again, this is only two to three key points, the highlight, the demographics, and the psychographics. Remember, we talk about how important the psychographics are um, that uh, of the consumer that you wish to target with whatever the brief is outlining. And then you have a must-have or mandatories. Um, these are things that must be included. Okay. So these are your visual brand elements. These are key messages. It's also only about two to three. This is where a lot of times, especially on the corporate side, it becomes a litany of of things. And then you do start boxing in your creatives so that they're like, I I don't know how to uh, create outside outside of this like box that you've uh, that you've created for me because you've given me so many things that I have to do, okay? But there should be a couple that are, are, are critically important um, to your brand or to the message or to um, whatever uh, venue you're, you're planning to play in. The next are your success metrics your, or your KPIs that you want to deliver against. These need to be measurable. Again, like just like your objective, if you don't put any uh, tangible, measurable KPIs, it's going to be left up to subjectivity. And I will guarantee you, you and whoever is doing the work for you will not agree <laughs> on what Absolutely. success looks like um, because you're motivated by different things. So it's very, very important that you're, those are clear, concise, measurable, and that you can uh, align to those. And then there's the timing, the deliverables, the budget. Um, it's very important to make sure that your whoever's doing the work is very clear about how much time they have to do this work. What are the actual deliverables you want them to give you? And then what kind of budget do they have to work within? Again, this is sometimes where people tend to be very general. Well, you know, the budget depends on how good the idea is. Well, fine. But, you know, the idea could be anything from a $2 million idea down to a $10,000 idea. You have to give them some window for which to work in because that totally changes the level of creativity. And the bigger the budget you get, the bigger your creative's minds are going to go. So they're not going to defer to the more economical side. They're going to defer to the more um, expensive side that gives them the most freedom to explore. And then this is one of the most important ones, but ones that everybody tends to forget. There should be signatures. Whether it's like an email that you know says, yes, I'm aligned to the brief or a formal signature, you decide. But this, in at the end of the day, is a contract. Um, and you want it to serve as a contract. That doesn't mean it can't flex or change or be modified based on uh, an aligned uh, point of view or, or, or something that happens. But or based on things that you actually learn as you're going through the process. But everybody needs to be aligned because otherwise somebody's going to come back and say, well, you know what? I don't. I wasn't really, you know, agreeing to that point, um, and so therefore, I don't feel like I need to be held at that point. But if somebody actually signs, they are saying, "I agree here." And this is one of the ways for you know anybody on the creative side listening. You know, it it can be really hard for us, quite honestly, to hold the client's feet to the fire because a lot of what we do, and, and you know, in the spirit of this conversation about briefing, is a little bit subjective just by nature, and so. I think having those signatures, that's one thing that you can hold on to when Mm -hmm. you get in trouble. And, you know, and there are situations where the client changes their mind and that can be okay. but the agency also has to be appropriately compensated for that. And so I think that the signature puts some seriousness on it. It also puts the onus on the client and it allows the agency side to be able to have legs to stand on if and when things go awry. And I'm not saying that, you know, agencies don't do the wrong thing and then that should be fixed or anything like that. 
But I just know coming from that side, right, we're in a service industry and we're serving the clients. And so you definitely don't want to make clients mad or, you know, make them feel bad or any of those types of things. But a simple signature can just save so much time and energy. And again, like we've been talking, keep things objective and on track. And that's especially true, too, if you're a freelancer. Yes. Um, You should be expecting a brief even if you're a freelancer. I know Mm -hmm. it it may feel like, but I'm just one person. It's especially important um, if you're one person. You know why? Because if you're not careful, all of your time and energy will get sucked in to that one client. And that may or may not be economical for you um, in, in, in the short term. So it's even more important if you're a freelancer. Yeah, I I totally agree. And the last thing I'll say here that also leads to a lot of scope creep or brief creep is it's okay if there's supporting documents that you feel like really are important or background. If If you're onboarding a new team, for example, you might want them to just read through the brand guidelines, for example. Or if there's stuff that came before, Yeah. yeah, in a previous campaign and you want to leverage some of that thinking or change course on that thinking, it's okay to have additional things to educate. What we're talking about here is being really clear on the assignment and putting that separation of church and state between these are the things that you must consider and get in there and deliver on for this project versus here's some other stuff that might help you along the way. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. All right. And the fourth and final point here, keep coming back to the brief as you work through. Yes. And the reason why is because this is going to be your filter for everything that is going to to come from the actual work. And if you're not going back to the brief, there's no way you're going to know if you're getting good work. Uh Right. So this has to be something that's consistently in every single interaction that you are having. And it's what lens you look through when you're making a decision about, hmm, is this what we wanted? Is this what we expected? Is this meeting our objective? Is this meeting the one thing? This is going to be your guidebook from which to do that. Otherwise, again, it becomes very, very subjective. So you want to make sure before you go in any like alternate direction or before you are, you know, thinking of like, uh, you know, maybe this is like, you know, we don't want to go do this, that you're looking back at your brief and you're looking at, hey, are there places where I might have made assumptions that are the wrong assumptions? Am I, is there places where I overly constrained that maybe I shouldn't have? Are there places where I'm asking for the world, even though I wasn't prepared to give it, which has <laughs> happened a lot, especially on, on, I'll just say as an aside on big brands, um, be wary of big brands who want to like, you know, do something radically different mm-hmm. than what their core is, because generally it, it feels like a very interesting exercise to them, but generally they're just not going to like go too far from the brand. So that's also, just Also, as an aside, aside from the creative side, nothing kills our spirits quicker than when this happens. Oh, Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I understand it and I've seen it happen a gazillion times because then what happens is that you continue to try to iterate and it's never quite mm-hmm. good enough and then you lose track of the brief. Um, and, and that's, you know, again, that's when the emotions get high. That's when the passions get high. That's when people start feeling pretty resentful. You go, you know, the, you have the brief to go back to and then you have a really honest assessment of like, okay, ha- have we strayed from the brief? Did we provide the wrong brief? Mm-hmm. And you can have those very honest conversations about that. And this is another good rule to put into place. I mean, Anne mentioned it, but I think it's worth reiterating. We physically always had the brief present in any meeting, whether that was internally we were reviewing work or we were having the client come in and we were reviewing work or we were sending work. We would send the brief along with it for easy access. So that brief was very physically present with everything, which I think was a really nice signal to all teams involved of, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be using this filter throughout. Because as Ann said, you know, people do get excited. They get off track. It's not an ill-intentioned situation. Right. It's just that. You know, this is kind of where art mean meets business in my mind. And we're not creating these things for an artistic reason to express ourselves or, you know, personal agendas or visions. We have to deliver against the business. And so I think that that brief always being there reminds people that we're doing this for specific reasons that they're held to instead of just, oh, this is going to be a fun creative exercise. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I remember um, before any creative um, 
presentation, there was always the upfront slides of like, okay, here's what you asked us to deliver. Mm -hmm. And this is why this is delivering against that. And I wanted to make the point too, is, you know, format for a brief can be a Word document. It could be a PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. It could be many different formats. Mm -hmm. Whatever is the most conducive to delivering the brief is what you should use. It could be a a video, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, but it has to be documentation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think that's extremely important. And I would just add that you have to have all the components we talked about. Yes, that's true. So whatever format you choose, you cannot shortchange the mandatory information that Anne walked through before. Yep, absolutely. Are you craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on. All right, so on to our next segment, which is in the trenches. So we just set up the four components of a result-driven brief. And now for those of you that listen regularly, we're going to get into our real-world examples that are specific perhaps to industries and situations, but definitely have broader application to bring to life those four points so that you can easily digest and put them into action. So the first one here. Give a good and bad example from your experience when a brief worked well and when it didn't. So we'll start with what worked well and maybe move into what worked not so well. So I can go first here. Um, I will say that one of the biggest projects, quite honestly, in my entire career in a space where people weren't super knowledgeable, we we were trying to create the appropriate customer experience interface for a platform online for a client that had a whole lot of restrictions in a space that was brand new and where we were having to pull multiple departments and teams together to one, create buy-in, but then two, to get the project off the ground. And so this was an instance where the brief was immensely important because teams would be sent off to do various portions of Mm -hmm. the work and then have to come back together. And then based on the collective expertise, we would have to all participate to get the project going. And I remember being in the briefing room and gosh, there were probably 20 of us in there. And this was not one of the ones where agency brings a whole bunch of people, because I know Anne's going to give me that question just for the sake of doing so. (laughs) This was equal 10 and 10 on both sides. And every single person in that room was going to be instrumental for doing something for the project and then also briefing other teams to get work accomplished. And so, I mean... I just remember at this point in my career, there weren't very very many situations that I felt like I didn't have control over where I could succeed. This was definitely one of them. And so we spent a tremendous amount of time getting that brief exactly right, making sure that all the proper sign-offs were, you know, were done. And sometimes it was people that weren't even really going to participate in the project, but where we had to have the higher-ups mm-hmm. approved. There were lots of eyes on this project. And they were investing, honestly, a ton of money to getting this right because they were so behind with their systems. They had so many systems that didn't speak to each other. And they were at a point where they wanted to flex their leadership in the space and be able to do so through this. So, This project lasted a solid year. Um, It was slow moving for sure, but it was one of those ones where we did, we were disciplined. We kept coming back to the brief. We made decisions from the brief. All the departments knew the brief. I mean, by the end of it, I feel like I was seeing the complete brief in my head when I would sleep at night, but I knew it, you know, that well. And the success was huge. I mean, not to say that we didn't have things that needed to be fixed or, or, you know, optimized or whatever against the way. But it really did become a pivotal moment for the company. It was a moment of pride for the clients mm-hmm. to be able to change that drastically. Um, it breathed new life into the organization saying, you know, we'd, we've heard we're going to make change for so long and now we've actually done it. And the the customer experience or, or portal, if you will, was really, really instrumental to changing the client and customer experience overall, whether it was vendors that participated or, you know, actual clients of the 
organization. And I guess what my point is with this whole thing is if you don't believe a brief works, I am telling you that in a complex assignment with that many moving pieces, parts, people, politics, how many more P's can I list here? (laughs) Um, But for success to happen because the brief was in the room each time, we spent the right amount of time, we got the right sign-offs, it just made it easier to make decisions and the complexity of the decision-making was taken out because we were clear on what we were trying to achieve and we kept going back to that. So that's one where it worked where it had every possibility to go wrong and it didn't. Well, I think you made a good point, too, because as we've talked about vigilant leadership in the past mm-hmm. and you have multiple groups that are working against this, this same program, but you don't want to be looking over their shoulder uh-huh. every two seconds. A brief is a great way to make sure everybody is aligned against the, the common objective and then you can take, as a leader, can take a step back uh-huh. and be able to let your teams operate and work, knowing that there are those guardrails, knowing that there, you know, there is the common vision, and knowing that everybody's kind of marching, you know, down the same road, mm-hmm. even if they're taking their own um, way of, of of marching, if you will. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it it is a really great tool for those of you who practice vigilant leadership too. Yeah, I think that's an amazing point. Um, okay, so for me, I'm going to take it um, even a little bit more tactical than that. And this is, comes from my common belief that whoever is working on your behalf or working for you needs to be briefed in some respect. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, I was working for a client um, and um, we were working on their social um, and they had hired a social media manager. And uh, and looking at what they were producing, I was like, gosh, this thing is this is just all over the place. It's just all over the place. Why are we posting about that and then that? And then what? how is this copy even like being generated? Like what does that have even to do with our brand? And so what I did very simply was say, hey, this our social media manager needs to be briefed. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they need to understand a little bit more context of what we're trying to achieve. And that be- actually became like a brief but like with it, a bit of a social strategy uh-huh. in order to provide some guidance with regards to, hey, this is what we're trying to achieve. This is our our one thing. This is what, what we want people to believe about the brand. Here's your pillars for the kind of content we wanted to create. And, and, you know, and this is what we want to achieve as a result of that. And that gave them guidance in order to be able to then produce better content um, and more consistent content, which then as April likes to talk about the quilt, made our Instagram quilt look a little <laughs> bit more cohesive and made our Facebook post more actionable. And it really uh, helped to work together to um, to raise the, the brand and the quality of our social. And influencers are the same way too. So I have a lots of qu- uh, conversations about influencers. Um, you need to brief your influencers. Okay. So most of the time, and I would say 99% of the time, your influencers are going to be paid, which means they need to be briefed. Mm-hmm. They're now a paid marketing channel for you. They need to be briefed very similar to this, which is, you know, what's the one thing that you want their following to take away about your brand? You know, here's a key messages or the story that it's really important to the brand. You know, they get to develop their own story around that. So it has that authenticity, but you're giving them guidelines for which to create good content that you believe is going to resonate uh, with their following and connect them back to your brand. So if you're not briefing your influencers in the same format, then you're really missing the opportunity to leverage that investment and maximize the investment to its fullest. Well, and I think you make a really good point, which is as there's been this expansion of channels and different types of media and things like social and influencers, I mean, I think the, the brief is perceived sometimes as an historic option. <laughs> and in the agency world, it's like, oh, well, we we brief for this kind of stuff, but we would get away from it on other things. And so I think it's, first of all, worth making the point that you should have a brief for any project that is going on at any given time and that you need to appropriately brief the people that are going to work on it. Because I agree, I think especially when social first came out, I remember It was kind of a little bit of a black box, right? Right. And so you would hire someone that did social strategy, but we quickly learned that the definition of training skill ability was vastly different depending on person. But then there was this weird allowance to kind of just let them go because no one really knew much about it. Right, right. And so the work was never lining up with 
all the things we've talked about today, you know, people weren't aligned in their heads of what they were looking for. Then there wasn't a knowledge of the space. So that caused a lot of confusion. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that was put out there that was maybe appropriate for the channel, but not for the brand. And to Anne's point, there would be these posts where you'd be scratching your head like, why did, how, how did we get to that based on what we talked about? And so when you don't have a brief, you see exactly what happens. It's like, just because it might be something new or something you don't have a lot of experience in or something that you're trying for the first time, every single thing needs a brief because otherwise you're going to spend time in the spin and the swirl and the subjectivity and nobody's going to be aligned about what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because a lot of times that becomes the excuse. It's like, well, I really don't know much about this space. <laughs> yeah. And you defer to the person who's yep. doing the work. And that will get you into trouble 100% of the time. Uh-huh. I was like, me and in, in April spent a tremendous amount of time just consulting on how to appropriately brief somebody. What are you looking for? Mm-hmm. What's important about this this channel? And all of those things. So if you don't know how to appropriately brief, please reach out to us because mm-hmm. – we will help you put this together in a way and teach you um, how to find the right talent and then be able to execute with that talent in a way that's going to help you build your brand in your business. And I would say we can identify a bad brief in about 30 seconds. 30 seconds, if it takes that long. Yeah. All right. So now an example of a bad experience with a brief or, or a brief that didn't work so well. So Uh, Without naming the client, I've also done a good amount of work in the healthcare space. And I will say that in this instance, we actually started with an amazingly well-written brief. We spent the time that we were supposed to. We did the work that needed to be done to get it there. We followed all the guidelines we've talked about today with the objective, the supporting background, the customer information, the mandatories, the success metrics, timing, deliverables, budget, and signatures. All of it was in there, right? But what happened was when we got to the point where the rubber was about to meet the road and the campaign was about to go out there, there was a little bit of backpedaling. This is another instance where there's tons of stakeholders, there's tons of opinions, um, there's difference in the people that are more business-minded versus the people that are more medically-minded and caring for the patient. And not that anybody was right or wrong in the situation, but we quickly got to this backslide that just really was going to happen no matter what we did. And we tried very diligently, and I'm actually very proud of the team that worked on this because we did keep coming back to the brief and we did keep saying, but we aligned to these things and think about what this could do. And it's going to just completely reinvent the communication strategy in this space. And and that was what had driven everybody to this point. But we got to the point where, honestly, the client team reneged. And it was heartbreaking, I will say, for the team, and we still talk about what if. Um, and we we got out there. It made a splash. It was okay. But the point I want to make here is that you have to hold yourself to the brief, like all the way through the process, and not let it get to a point where you've made it this far and then you get scared. Yeah. And I, I know that you know there's a difference in perspective here, right? Like as creative folks, we want to push. We want to push the envelope. We want to you know be the company that's known for doing the very best innovative work and all of those things. And we tend to just be bigger risk takers by nature, honestly. And we're not the ones running the businesses. So I appreciate. I get all of that. Um, I think my career now has leaned somewhere to the middle, honestly. But I just think it's it's really important to make sure that you're being honest with yourself, client side or agency side. And when you agree to things, put it out there because I still I look at that as such a hugely missed opportunity. And over the years, we've seen a lot of Me Too strategies from other people in this market where you see that there's been a change. It just isn't the dynamic change that could have happened had we gone forward with the brief that we aligned to in the beginning. Yeah, there's nothing worse than getting the rug pulled out from underneath you. Um, I've been on both sides of that, um, and that's no fun. All right. So for me, all right. So let me start by saying that I was told by all my agencies that I wrote the best briefs ever. Oh, for the love. I did. I'm like, I can get testimonials for real testimonials. Not to toot your own horn, but fine. Well, yeah. But but if I was going to be totally honest, there was a time when I did not believe in briefs at all. And refused to write them. Oh, (laughs) blasphemy. I refused. And I refused and I refused because I felt like it was an exercise of futility. 
Um, and I would do sometimes verbal briefs, right? And I was like, this is all you guys need. I'm going to tell you what they're going to do. It's word no. of mouth. Okay, so I learned the hard way. <laughs> you got that burned. When you when you're when you leave it like so informal, it's up to anybody's interpretation. Mm-hmm. And that's what continued to smash me <laughs> over and over again as we kind of got down further. Because my what what I would say what I wanted and what they thought they heard were not the same mm-hmm. thing. And then there was nothing to go back to saying, no, I told you guys this. Sometimes I'd followed up in emails and stuff like that. But like, I told you guys this. Well, you told us that this time. And then and this other email was this. And then and the other like, you know, time we talked, it was this. And there was like no continuity in mm-hmm. the conversation and nothing to go back to. So I learned that if I was going to, I mean, very frankly, you know, save my own butt and then as well as like produce really good work um i had to produce really good briefs so that we could all be on the same page with regards to what my expectations were because sometimes i mean honestly my expectations were always very high and that was really hard for my my team to be able to internalize just verbally but i want to reiterate that you know a brief is not just a piece of paper or a powerpoint deck that you hand over Mm -hmm. and you say okay um, there you go. It is a conversation. And a lot of times it's a multi-hour conversation of like, let me share the vision. Let me share like where we're going with this. Let me share the context. Even though the, the brief itself is concise because it needs to be, the way that you explain it, the way that what you share um, is, uh, is, is goes beyond what is actually written on the page. Now, on the other side, and I've said this before, is that on a, you got to be careful on the agency side not to believe that you need to know every single little mm-hmm. thing. And this is why, I, actually, honestly, I wouldn't do a brief because it got to be so annoying that, like, I put it down on paper. And then they're like, well, this is great. But now I need to go talk to this person and this person, this person, this person, this person in order for me to understand fully, like, what I'm supposed to be doing here. And I'm like, well, no, no I'm not. I'm not, I'm not even going to put a piece of paper in front of me. I'm just going to tell you and we're going to go forward. So make sure you honor both um, on both sides. Is that on, like, Especially, I'll speak from the corporate side. You have to give them enough information that they can embody the full ca- mm-hmm. capacity of what you're trying to achieve. And on the agency side, you need to be respectful of the fact that I don't need to know necessarily everything and talk to everybody in order to be able to do a good job mm-hmm. on my work. Yeah, and I think you said a couple couple things there that are hugely important. One is adding the context to what's actually on the paper mm-hmm. um, because – Really, that brief becomes the checks and balances. But if you don't have the context behind it, you don't spend the time to give the briefing and have that conversation, then it still is a little bit open to interpretation because then the agency doesn't know necessarily exactly where you're coming from. So you do need the narrative to make that happen. And the other thing that I will say is this is a foundation of our company, right? We partnered because we literally come from opposite sides of the fence. And so agency people don't think like corporate people. Corporate people don't think like agency people. And so, I mean, I'm stating the obvious there, but I think what we read versus what you wrote without the commentary, we're just going to interpret it in a different way. And I think that does lead to a lot of arguments and frustration and anxiety and stuff. And so the piece of paper can't do it all. Never assume that that piece of paper is going to be like your golden ticket to success. You have to do all the other work, like briefing your agency partners. And you have to continue the conversation and you have to work hard and, you know, try things out and align on what it needs to be. The paper is more meant to be the, okay, when we start running into trouble or we're having a hard time making decisions or we're not sure if we've hit it, we have a place to go back to to measure against. It's not the be all end all, answer the whole thing, make it easy. And I think to that point, um, in to elaborate on the point I was making before too, is that you're, we're motivated by different things, absolutely, right? And so yeah. when an, you know a creative gets a creative brief or agent agency gets a creative brief, they're like, "Yay, we get to do something kind of cool. Maybe we'll get an award." Yeah, right. Um, and not that I'm saying they're not business minded. That's not what I'm saying. But on the on the corporate side, you're like, okay, this has got to build my business, mm-hmm. right? This is the only reason why I'm doing it is because I'm going to build my business, right? So sometimes it's helpful, too, to put um, best-in-class examples on the table, mm-hmm. like what you think um, is an example of what you want to deliver or achieve, if they exist, 
Or sometimes worse than class examples is like, I do not want to be here, Mm -hmm. or this is too far, or this is too, you know, um, reserved, or try to give visually um, or through examples some way of helping your agency and actually yourself on the corporate side align on what is good work or like Mm -hmm. what is good results. Give them that, that image in your mind. Yeah. I mean, you're providing context. You're giving insight into the way you're thinking. I think the more you can do that, absolutely, the better. Yep. All right. Number two. This one gives me heartburn just looking at it. A brief doesn't seem that hard. Why so much drama about it? Anne. <laughs> oh, I think I kind of hit on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So um, the reason why there's so much drama around it is because people are motivated by different things. And and like we we using the corporate agency as kind of the um the foil here, but it could be you a startup with a um a freelancer. It can be um you know you with you know the influencers like, like any any situation that you have some sort of contract for work, it's it's all the same. And the reason why there's so much drama about it is because there is a million interpretations of what everything means. That's what we talked about. So the only way you know you're going you're gonna to get good work or the only way you can actually measure whether or not you're getting good work is by making sure that both people are accountable for delivering against the same brief. Um, and for all the reasons that we said. So I won't belabor the point, but um, I think I, um, yeah, I hit that. Well, and I just <laughs> want to make the point, too, that it can be internal. I mean, it can be, you know, across departments within a corporation. It can be internal at the agency. I mean, when we would work on stuff, sometimes strategy would brief creative and there would be a document for that. Or the account team would bring forth their objectives and creative and strategy would work on that. So, yeah, I mean, we use the examples that are hopefully really clear and pertinent to our experiences. But of course, I mean, briefs should be used across the board. Again, anytime you're working on a project and you expect results. Yep. All right. Another one that I love. Number three, (laughs) is it okay to have an internal brief versus one with the client? It's sometimes hard to get them to commit to one. The answer is definitively hated this. No. No, no, no. This goes against everything that we have said a brief is supposed to be. This is where the breakdowns happen. This is where the alignment stops. I mean, what's the point of having more than one? If you can't align to one, then you're not aligned. That's just the summary of the situation. It's the contract. We said this before. If you want to get paid and you want to make sure you get results and you want to keep your client happy, you start with the brief that you have aligned to. Now, you can call the client on the fact that you might not have what you need or that, you know, when in that presentation, you can ask your questions. I mean, there were even, you know, situations where we would write briefs together with the client. Like, you know, there were some times where when we would get hard to get them to commit or to write it for us even. There are creative solutions all around. But I have just seen so many situations where a brief would come through from the client, it would get thrown to the side, the account team would write a brief, we would do this work, it would go back, everything's lost in translation, it's nothing that the client expected. And again, it's not that anybody did anything wrong or ill-intentioned, I think the intention is to try to get to the right work, but you're not clear and aligned on what the client's asking for. So how do you ever expect that what comes out the other end? I mean, it's like the game of telephone, right? You keep getting removed from the situation. You don't hear it from the horse's mouth. You're not using the brief that was provided to you. It's like, okay, well, you're set up for failure from the start. So please do not take a client brief. Disregard it. Definitely don't write your own. Don't have separate documents for what you're trying to do. Be transparent with everyone and come back to the one document. That's why it's there. You're 100% correct. Every time we fell apart, it was because some sort of internal brief did not match mm-hmm. the, the brief that was given to them. And it happened a lot. And my favorite excuse for that was, well, the creatives can't really internalize the kind of brief that you guys put out. So we have to like translate that into things that they can understand. I'm like, I'm like, what does that mean? Do they not like speak English or what? Like, I'm like, I'd be mean, seriously. And yeah. like, I'm just like, what, what does that even yeah. mean? Cause they, did yeah. they not understand business? Did like, oh, it's going to like limit their creativity. But that's the problem, you know, is that like when you do that, it does become a game of telephone and the strategist 
God love them. I worked with some good ones. I worked with some bad ones. It then becomes their brain that's processing what they heard mm-hmm. and then telling, you know, the rest of the team what they think they know. And there's no point of that. And so I mean, oftentimes at, at, at P&G, we wouldn't allow that anymore. We made everybody sit at the table and um, the creatives listen to the briefing just like everybody else. And it sometimes it really pained the agency a lot, but it's like, hey, you know, if that's, you know, a pain point for you, then you need to really rethink your structure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sometimes we had four strategists at the table, but no creatives. We're like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. I'm like, if it's such a problem, bring your creatives to the table. Well, the creatives are busy. Well, so are the rest of us, and we don't have time to redo mm-hmm. all the work because you translated it poorly, you know? So um, I, I can't agree with you more. I'm, I'm getting too emotional on this topic because <laughs> I've, I've been through it. This is the, you know, the PTSD part of it, so I'll just end there. Yeah, I mean, as as we're talking, I feel like I'm having flashbacks. And whenever Anne talks about PNG, I mean, I can remember sitting at those tables and just getting yelled at. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, we'll move on. <laughs> so, last and final question: Who should write the brief, client or agency, Anne? Um, actually, um, I always started the brief. So on the client side, um, because I knew or more intimately was involved with what the business needed. Um, So I always started it. Um, And it sounds like you were, you know, a good brief writer, which I was excellent. (laughs) I think the word was excellent. At least brief writer. Self-professed, but okay. Mm, I can get those testimonials. Well, actually, they might not want to talk to me after this. Okay. But anyway. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so I always started it, and then um, I would get the the other stakeholders to review it um, that we're going to have a say in, in in the campaign. So, uh, me being the communications um, leader, it would be potentially the brand manager, maybe the marketer above that, um, any maybe the R and D person, depending on what kind of claims we wanted to make mm-hmm. or the kind of messaging we wanted to make. So all those stakeholders would review it. So we were aligned as a business mm-hmm. before we even gave it to the agency. Um, and then the agency could provide um, feedback with regards to, hey, this isn't really quite clear enough, um, or we don't sure we understand this part, or what do you mean by that, or we have different thoughts about how this should be done if they um, understood the business well enough. So then it became a discussion mm-hmm. of refinement, um, or we can't meet this timing, or this budget is too small. The budget was never too big. Um, <laughs> so um, the, all those became points of discussion then. So um, we always started it. Yeah, and I think um, if if that is possible, that's a really that's the right way to do it. So I, I would put the stake in the ground and say that, you know, I, I've mentioned being in the service to the client, and nobody knows the business better than the client. It's their business, and so if you can be in that situation where you have someone that's highly competent at writing the brief and will do the legwork to go and get the buy-in from all the parties, that is the right approach. I will say that that's not always the reality of the situation. And so we, you know, and I, I said a little bit about this before, I mean, there were times where we would get in the room with the client and write the brief with them and make them you know, fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. basically. And then we would agree and hash it out right there. There were times where, and, and this is more, I would say, on retainer businesses where we actually were highly, highly ingrained in the client business and what they did and what, you know, and just really understood the nuances as well as what they were working toward big picture. Um, there were plenty of times, honestly, that I would write the brief for the client and then take it back to them and have them, you know, edit, make changes, whatever, and then we would sign off on it. Um, what's most critically important is that everyone is aligned. And I think you hear us saying that everyone understands the brief and what it's meant to do. Um And that you really hold people to having one, right? So we've talked about the situations where it's just a complete breakdown. And I'm not saying that it's ever perfect and that everyone is very disciplined because they have a brief necessarily, but it's your best chance of getting there. And so I still hold firm that no matter how hard the work was to getting to a proper brief, without a brief, the work was that much harder. And sometimes would just go off the rails. You can never mm-hmm. get it back. So a lot of good ideas or a lot of good thoughts get got lost because of that lack of definition up front. So that's absolutely the truth. 
I also do want to encourage, though, um, one of my most favorite things, and it didn't happen very often at all, was when the agency said, hey, we have an idea. Here's a brief for you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you Mm -hmm. are a true master of the business and you want to totally knock off, you know, knock the socks off of your corporate client, brief them mm-hmm. on an idea that you have. Show some initiative. Show that you are owners of the brand. Show that you understand the consumer. That is a really great way of showing that you are a partner with your client versus just being a service agency to your client. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's right on. I mean, I remember that being so energizing and fun for us. I mean, the best situation for agencies is well, the most fun, perhaps, is when there's a retainer situation, or it happens most most often there, but where there is a certain bucket of dollars allotted to the agency to come up with those ideas. But what will frustrate the client fastest is when if you're getting paid on retainer, you're getting paid to know the business, to know the client's customers, to know the objectives inside and out. And so when we would suggest ideas, it was never just a one-off, oh, we have this idea. We did write briefs in those situations and get them approved, or even if not approved, appreciated, because mm-hmm. they weren't these crazy off-the-wall ideas. They were a stretch idea, which clients oftentimes are more conservative because they're a little bit paralyzed by the business, right, and the fact that they have to deliver. Um, but then the idea would be like, okay, well, we can't quite maybe do that, but we can do this. And that was always, I mean, when the ultimate praise would come down from the client, it was in those situations where they're caught off guard. They catch you thinking about their business. You bring them something no one would have thought Mm -hmm. of. I mean, you're never going to be rejected for doing that. Yeah. But don't charge your client for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, well, it depends. I mean, sometimes it was an, an allotted bucket to innovate on their behalf. But yes, I... Well, generally, it's a, it's a bucket to execute. Yes. Okay. Right. Well, this is a different conversation. For <laughs> Fair enough. Anne's getting combative. Um, that was our final question. So... Not our, combative. Well... Respectfully debating. Driving, yeah, respectfully debating. I just see us going another hour if we continue along this. So (laughs) we will take our own conversation offline today. Our third and final segment is usually a real-world brand example of someone who's doing it well or not so well. But since briefs tend to be internally focused, it's a little tricky to be able to say that execution came from a good brief. And we did give you some examples of our past history and and PTSD, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So we aren't going to have a final brand example, but what we will say is the most successful and smoothest running project started and ended with the brief. Might not be sexy, but it is the item that determines how your project will run and what the outcomes will be. And with that, we will tell you to go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. Mention you heard about us here, and we will give you a free 30-minute consultation. You can also share any topics you want us to cover, which helps us give real-world support to our listeners in real time. And if you learned something impactful, please share with a friend, and don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. Now, go show off your marketing smarts. <laughs>